holding in Shaykh Tukarakit Ches, Pasuk Zayn, Vayelchu Chamesh Yisra The five representatives of Shevet Dan, they continued on their journey, Vayavoy Elayisha, they came to Pesach Adlayish, as we saw that in Shur already, they had to pass the North of Eretz Yisrael, Vayiris Ha'am HaShevekir, Vayashevet Adlayish. Kamiya, so Kamiya says Layish. That's what the Gemara says. And we know that somewhere, basically, one of the sources of the Yadda River is called the Kamiya, or the Banya, or whatever it's going to be called. So it's somewhere due north of the Kinneris. Anyway, so they went to Laish and they saw the people that were sitting in the Vecha. They didn't think there were any enemies, they weren't protecting themselves. Kamish was Tidane, Shekhet of Eten. Vein Machin Dava Baaretz, Yerish Etzer. There was no Ein Machin Dava, which explains that, that no one needed each other, and others are all independent. And Yerish Etzer, there were a few people who had the familial ties with them, and therefore would want to be Yerish them. And were therefore time to defend him. And they were far from Tzidonim, even though they were part of Tzidon, in Mishnah to Tzidonim, but they were far enough that the Tzidonim, the rest of them, wouldn't be able to come so easily in Shukhar to their defense. Which means they had no treaties, they had no uh, commitments of mutual alliances with anyone else. And therefore, they would be said to be an easy target because. Attacking them wouldn't necessarily escalate into a wider war. They didn't have any natural allies who would come in and stand by the side of the war. And therefore, Dunfold would be an easy place to conquer and uh, to take the territory. So the, the, there are very liberal minds. This doesn't sound... Uh, they come back to the families of Dun and Sarah and Ashtol. What happened to you? In other words, you went to find us the place to live. What did you find? So the mission said, right to them, come and hide at Let's go and rise up against the wall. You saw the land, it's very good. But then, and you waiting here, or doing nothing, keeping quiet, when you have this opportunity. And therefore, that be lazy, you have an opportunity, let's go. You get to the place of sea, you're coming to people who are still relying on themselves, they aren't, they aren't afraid of battle, they aren't ready for battle. There's lots of room for everybody. Which means it's not to be a, a big area, it's also a plentiful land. You won't be missing anything. And the Mitzvah guys the whole time with the understanding that this wasn't Eretz Yisrael. And they were trying to convince them that even as Eretz Yisrael, it's still a good alternative. It's a place with lots of room, it's a place where it's also, uh, it's also, it's also a good land, even though it wasn't part of Eretz Yisrael's promise to them. And as you saw, that's one of the two opinions whether this was part of um, the land of Eretz Yisrael or not. So, they convinced. They used to be some Mishmach Sadani, Mitzvah Me'eshtal, Sheish Me'ezish. So a convoy of 600 people from Don all armed set down to conquer and take this Daesh. On the way north, the place where they camped in Kirisar, and they called it Machan Adon, and they called it Machan Adon. It's always a question why the Navi tells us things like that. What's the difference? But in other words, when the Navi, when some a name, a place was named after an event, it means it was an event of significance. So Kadirat was uh, 600 families all armed. You find it was something else. Of enough significance to name the place that they camped as uh, the Machinidah. 
Mas o Tamer é mais a polícia em Wadiwan. E não é que para o E eu não digo nada, mas está a ver com mais. Tolerante, Don't talk to us. Because In case people who put the people they might think that you an enemy or they don't attack you. But after Nashville, you're gonna get killed. And other than deny that they talk with they said listen, we're stronger than you, don't start up with us, you don't know what's gonna happen. So what's Nikha gonna do? Well, the Prophet says he can see that he's outnumbered. So you can't stop him to keep going. Mikhas is stronger than him. Guys, bereft of his Avedazar. And obviously, you have to understand what was the lesson that was meant to be for Mikhas. And also, what about Neda? Let's finish the story first. The Hebrew they came to Aish, which was stuck at least for people. They And there was no one to fight stand after them. They had there was no one to protect the people of Aish. Like they said, but other than him, other than the entreaties of them, he was able to share the best of was in the valley. And therefore, the Bnei Don rebuilt the city and they lived there instead. Uh, the ancestor of the Shevet, Don, they called the Shevet after him. It was the rebuilt city of where the Aish originally was. And that was okay. The problem was, but now the pestle which they brought with them, they said, Laf is a fabric thing. The Nun is hanging because it's not really, like Rashi says, the Kwedish of Moshe. Really, it's the grandson of Moshe. And therefore, this vessel of, of which stayed um, in Shevetan until they went into Gaurus. The, the, the decree is Moshe? Yeah, the Nasha is just, like Rashi says, the Kekosh Lamasha. In other words, it was also really Moshe. They similar him as Pesla Mechasha, also call him a Hayes Pesla Kim Bashira. They put the Pesla Mecha which he made. Um, all, as long as the Mishra was in Shira. And this is like all the question point out. This is the direct theory to Pasuk before him. The Pasuk said beforehand that Yanis and his children were coming for the Shavit until the time of the goddess, which was made much, much later than Shira. And the next Pasuk says that the festival was there as long as the Mishra was in Shira, which was a, a disparity of a few hundred years. Besides uh, so much, we have another question. And that is, we, the, the Nachs told us a number of times that what happened was the whole story of Pesamecha because there was no Melech. Maybe at the time there was no Melech, but later on there were Melech. And one day, as a Melech, one day deal with Pesamecha then. Maybe when, in its inception, when it began, was in the period of the Shaftim. But the Melech said there were Melech and later on they had control. So why didn't they take care of it? And, uh, the Babylon explained that that was a similar idea, and that is that's why it's not there in the Pesukim. The pestle Micha was only there standing as a pestle as long as the Mishnah was in Shira. As you know, Shira was destroyed at the time of Eliakoyen, at the end of the Shaftim, and then Shmuel, who was the, 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 the Manik after Eli, he, he, he wasn't the Manik, but he did take responsibility for Kai Yisrael, as he wasn't called the Shaftim, and therefore there's no way he would have allowed a pestle to exist. So that stage, they took down the Pesel Mecha. 
it wasn't, uh, there was no opposition to it, so as long as the Mishra was in Shida, which means throughout the period of the Shaftim, the Pesel Mishra was there, but after the Shmuel came to leave Klai well, of course he wouldn't follow it in worshipping a Pesel. But, on the other hand, Shavit Don had already accepted whatever practices were, and therefore the Levi remained the Koyen of Shavit Don, even without the Pesel Mishra, even without the idol standing, they continued whatever practices they were doing. And obviously people now would know that, because there was no longer the statue there, so they didn't realize that there was that sort of corruption which remained in Shevetan until the time of the God. Okay, so that's, uh, that's the story of... Because the Morris says that... That, that Yenis himself, in the time of David and Melech, the Chava, uh, the Gemara says that David saw that Yenis wanted money. Like we saw before, that was the reason he joined in the first place, because he offered money. So David offered him a more lucrative job, and then he, was, he uh, changed his name to Shavuel, and why is he called Shavuel? The Gemara says, Shav the Kel Bakovibi. He got a full Shavuel. And uh, because uh, the, the reason why he arranged to join the Vedazara wasn't out of uh, allegiance to Vedazara, it was more like money, which again was wrong. But I understood that, and therefore by offering him something which, he could have, which was more than to Vedazara, and to serve Vedazara, made him do proper Shavuel. And there's also a time in the Gemara that after David Ali went back to it again because he lost his job. But whatever the case is, what the process is over here, and even if he himself would have switched back again, the man said his children remained the kind of the Samaritan Zara until, uh, until the time of the goddess. Now, that's the story of Mecha, one of the tragedies of Shaftim. We need to understand two points. Firstly, uh, what was the, what ha- the story of what happened to Mecha, why he lost his vessel, uh, what, was the re- what, was the, what was the reason for that, and also, what was, what was done thinking? In other words, the whole idea of just uh, you know, robbery in broad daylight is because you're stronger. So, no, we'll steal. We don't deny it, but you can't do anything about it because you're stronger than you, so too bad. Well, what kind of mahalik is that? Especially when it comes to the thought that this was something spiritual that we're going to gain from. What was the, what was, what was it all about? Okay, so the first point is Mecha himself. It's quite obvious that the lesson was to Mecha. And that is that. Like uh, the Gemara says about Avodazara, that Ba'atsam, uh, a person looks to Avodazara as someone which protects him, or he hopes he's going to protect him. And uh, what the Pasuk says is that can not protect itself, at least you have to protect somebody else. And therefore, the fact that Michal was shown that the Avodazara he built was something which was meant to have a certain kayak, or certain ability, or certain protection, whatever it might be. You see, it didn't even protect itself. There's nothing it, 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 it could do to prevent itself getting stolen and carried away. So, what did you think it was going to do to protect you? Which is one of the things the Gemara says that this is the Zara. Is when a person can show that a tons of Zara means to make a mockery of what people consider something powerful or something influential. The mockery that is is when the Zara is shown to be completely ineffectual, has no ability to do anything. So, from this point, you understand. Why the Einish was that he should lose the Avodah and be shown that Avodah can't do anything for him. But now the question is, what's the, what was happening with Shevet Why did they, why did they steal it, like just using force? And how did they think it was going to help this Avodah Zarah? Where was the mistake with that? And uh, this is already brought down. This is already brought down um, in, in Midrashim and the Torah that Shevet Dan was always a. So to speak, a chashash, or there was a certain element of Avodah Zarah. 
when it talks about the ones who picked up the machina, whatever it might have been, there's always that chashash, v'shev v'don, something of a... When the Gemara talks about the machina, so each of them around, around the, the Mishkan, so we know that Yehuda was in the east, we know that uh, Reuben was in the west, Ephraim is in the south, and Don was in the north, because Mitzvah and Tepasah There's a certain element of Ra, which was associated with Shevetan. So even if that's the case, that they had a certain propensity for doing something wrong, but what happened? That the Shevet, that uh, they took on the Sovet and they were Nechshol with them. So once again, the Mephoshim suggests various things. It also depends a little bit when the story happened. If we saw like according to Rashi, it happened um, way back before the beginning of the Shevetim, or if we saw from Adam Mephoshim, it happened after the story of Shemshah. And if you remember, the Adam Mephoshim explained that the money which was used to make the vessel was the money which uh, Lila got for being Moise Shemshah. For getting Shimshon, so he's still killed by the Christian, that was the thousand hundred that she was given. Now, Shimshon also came from Tsari and Eshtal. Since Moshe came from Tsari and Eshtal, and therefore the, the people from Tsari and Eshtal, that Chedek of Don who went north, was really Shimshon's Mispachim. Whatever those were the same be, that those are Shimshon's relatives, his family, whatever it was. And therefore they felt that in some way this money belonged to them. They felt some way this money belonged to them because. Either it was uh, it was something which was uh, given, which uh, at the expense of Shimshon's life, as Yarshim was relatives ever to be, they felt they had the right to take it back. Either to be if you can call it as Nakama, whatever the word would be for what Lila, you said before, according to the other question, was the mother of Micha, according to the pain that he left later, that that she had gotten this money by getting Shimshon killed and tortured by the Christian, so they felt we have a right to this. And therefore, they didn't think that they were stealing something which was completely like just outright theft. They had a certain moraheta while they felt that they were allowed to take it. And that's why they stood up for it. When Mecha came and said, Why do you steal my thing? They said, We're going to fight. It's, we, you don't deserve this. This belongs to us. And uh, it's true it was Novelizara, and that was again the Mechshal. And once they had the Novelizara, they used it as Novelizara. But there was a certain sense of, Kiro, this is writing an injustice. And that's also true. The leader definitely did the wrong thing by surrendering Shimshon to the Christian. And if that's the case, it's, it's taka true. She didn't deserve to keep the money that she got for being a Moser. And therefore, even though the Shavit Don wasn't necessarily at the same Shemaim, but the fact that she didn't deserve to keep the money which she got from that, and Hashem finished the circle, went back to Shavit Don again, was what was deserved. That's one element to the, to the, to the story. Um, That's uh, that's on the on the side that on the side this happened later. You know, this happened after the story of Shimshon, and therefore this was a continuation, so to speak, or a conclusion of the story of Shimshon. There's also a certain other point here, and that is that we saw before that in some way Shimshon did something wrong by marrying Ibadah or even the Tishi woman before that. Uh, the says if a person marries a non Jew, it's either someone accepting Bas El Neicha. Well, Bas El Neicha is a certain acceptance of Avodah Zarah by marrying somebody who is a worshiper of Avodah Zarah. And as you saw, even though they started in the Shem Shatak, it was Megaridim, whatever the case might be, nevertheless, it wasn't a complete gear, according to the Tzad, it wasn't good enough, it wasn't a gear to Shmo, whatever the reason might have been. 
and that already uh, was part of the picture that introduced into Shimshon Shevet a certain, maybe somewhat connection to Abedazar. And therefore, it's true that uh, his family men were coming to, so to speak, take back what was what an ill-gotten gain, which was a Shimshon's expense. But the fact that there was also that that now a bit like so a more of an identity with Abedazar was also what resulted tragically in Shevetan, in that part of Shevetan, uh, accepting the pestle as something that they would worship. That's that pestle happened much earlier, right after the Haluk of Yeshua. And then right away, the Nedon didn't live in that room, that's what they went north. So then you have to understand, because if that's the case, it would be a question. Because at that stage, this, the Gemara, the says, But we have a similar story at the end of Yeshua. And that is that when Shevet Ruben and Shevet God went back to Ebra Yarden after the 14 years that they spent uh, in Eretz Yisrael until the Jews all got their Nachal and they finished conquering the nations. So it says when they went back to Ebra Yarden, they built the Mizbech on the other side of the Yarden. Uh, this is not heard of. New Mizbech, but it's So the Torah shall assemble an army. And the army was Pinchas at the helm. And they march out to, and they're willing to attack Shevet Ruben and Shevet God. And Tosh Shevet Ruben and Shevet God explained that, no, we are not going to worship on it, it's just meant to be a symbol. No one's ever going to use it for anything. And then they were, they, were, they, they, they part this, so to speak, in good times. But you see that then there was a central authority that was willing to fight. And if that's the case, now we have to come back to the question. And that is, Pinchas was still alive. Even after Shevet died, Pinchas was still alive for a long time. And if he was willing to mobilize an army to go and, so to speak, uh, confront Reuben and God, why are you building him his back? So if, if, that, if it was in his time, in his lifetime, why didn't he confront them as well? Or was this also something which is, uh, and Michal, he was in Shila. If Pastor Mech was right next to Shila, like we said before, why didn't he do anything about it? And uh, it's, it's, it's left, as, so to speak, time and time. No one did anything. And Melech Israel. And uh, everyone just turned a blind eye to Pesach We So even if we were at a later stage where Kaisha was more disorganized and there wasn't any uh, anyone who was looking after, so to speak, the general level of Kaisha, I understand. But if Pinchas was still alive, and Pinchas did do that in, in other situations, so the Shai is why didn't he get involved here as well? Why didn't he get involved here as well? And now here's where it becomes a question. Because what Shavit, Ruben, and God did, they did a Shvatim. They did it publicly. If that's the case, then uh, a whole shave doing something wrong might be something which draws attention. When Micha built them in his own house, and I was at the beginning, it wasn't even for outsiders, it was just for his own family. But, uh, if you look at the, the way that the story is recorded, Micha didn't even, even invite the five uh, uh, people of the of Don to serve to the worship of Israel. They happened to hear the voice of the Navy and they came to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, so it could be either that it wasn't as known. It wasn't as known because Micha didn't publicize what he was doing, and or Kaisha at the stage didn't feel as mukhiyev to go and deal with what Yachar was doing wrong, the same way they felt to mukhiyev to what Rishav was doing wrong. But if that's the case, now so that might have been a certain um, mistake in Kaisha's part. But then it gets worse because when Shavit done, or he's chaylekim now takes it and sets up public as now it comes a question. It's not just the individual anymore. One person doing it in the closed mm-hmm. doors of his own house. Now it's become a public thing of a shaving. 
And if that's the case, we should have required a response, just like just like it did in the case of the Mizbeh, which was built by Shevet Rubin and Shevet God. And I'm going to see by the Shevet next time, the next parish, Klai Shul punishments. Because at that stage, they should have done something. And the fact that they didn't was going to bring them a terrible punishment that Klai Shul was going to suffer. If we have to try and ask the question, but why is that? Why didn't Klai Shul do anything? If we, we, we had... We, we still had Pinchas, we still had uh, leadership. leadership to some level. So why Taki didn't anyone do anything about Shevetah? Uh, so, we don't find anything first in the fashion that I kind of ask the question of Pinchas, give an answer that, that like Kilo, that, that, that directly deal uh, with the Shaila. That explains the reason Pinchas didn't go and mobilize the force he also to go and deal with Shevardhan was for another reason. We don't know. But the, one of the mashma, some of the fashion, is that the Yenus of Vengershan played a bigger role than just being the, the lackey who came to get a free, get employment by Washington for Hazar. We're talking about the grandson of Moshevin. And therefore, people thought it obviously can't be a Vedazar. Because it wouldn't be exactly like what Nadan himself said to him. The grandson of Moshe is going to That was like the unthinkable. It's laughed a million times. If we find that there's some activity going on which we question so you know he's running it, it's a sign of the Chafetz Chaim running it. So we're going to think, ah, it must be, it's okay. There's a certain kilo of covet that Kaj will have for leaders that if it's his son or his grandson, Kilo, there must, there must be a head for it. It's not necessarily true. There's no guarantee that the grandson of Tariq is a Tariq. But it does have a certain, as you see in the Pesukim itself, has a certain effect. People thought, and you see, that's also why Nech was so happy with it, that the narrow lady became a coin. This Kilo gave it a stamp that, oh, this is something which isn't bad. And that's also why when the Don came along, they took the coin with them. They didn't need him. They could have found somebody else too. If he's one of their people. But you see, a big part of the thing was to take the coin with. Because again, he was the rather stamp of the whole thing. And when we see something similar, which we're going to learn about, when we get to Melachim, Yerobin ben Nevat, when he wanted to match the with his two calves, same thing. He needed somebody to be the rabbi's stamp. We're going to receive a story there, who he used. And that was, even though this didn't sit well with Kai Israel, something didn't make sense to him. Well, it has this mood, it looks like a Verizara, but there's somebody behind it. I guess it must be okay. Again, it was wrong. It was wrong, but the explanation of why people got misled by it was because of the respect that they had for whoever it was that they thought was being matured, and I was sending over here. If that's the case, that's why Yenis and the Bonav are considered the ones, or like the certain responsibility there for the story too. They were the Kohenim until the end of the Goddess, and because of that, that once they had, uh, so to speak, the protection. Or the Haskama of the family of Moshe Rabbeinu, so no, no one felt that they were right to touch it. And that's what made it successful. That's what made it something which lasted because, for the same reason, people were too scared to touch it. You find other things like that also. Until Chizkiyahu for example, Moshe made the copper snake. Mm-hmm. And people watched it as a Vedazara. And no one wanted to touch it because there was no Moshe Rabbeinu. Until Chizkiyahu got up and said he's grounding the snake. And he's masking the Shabbat. He was strong enough, he's courageous enough to do that. Hezekiah didn't have influence over Shevardad. In his time, they had already gone to Goddess. But he needed somebody that, who had that ability to 
you don't, he doesn't care who they are or what, what the yichus is, he's going to do it. And it wasn't that. If that's the case, that's why the, the fact that Moshe's family, so to speak, were the, were the ones involved, so to speak, gave it some kind of uh, sense of acceptance, which everyone else was too unwilling to stand up to fight against, whatever reason it was. But either way, if you went to see it, it was, it was held against Kali Yisrael. That they didn't, they didn't make a stand. They didn't do anything to stop, uh, to stop it happening um, throughout the duration of the period of the shaftim.